This episode is sponsored by Chavid Properties. Think, create, build. Visit at Chavid Properties on social media to learn more. So what event do you think sparked this change? Like, can you pinpoint any moment, any time you just had that realization? Like, it could have been like a, like lowest moment or like some thing that just had you realizing all these things? I was just tired, Rodney. Like, I was tired of going through the same emotions. Um... I was just tired and I just asked myself that what is it am I not doing right like what is it like I was just tired of going through the same things over and over the same cycles the same behaviors like I was just tired because I was like surely there's there's more to life than than what experiencing currently man oh man Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an intimate conversation between myself and a really cool South African woman, who also happens to be my friend, whom I went to uni with between 2009 and 2013. Together, we revisited some of those experiences from our uni days to see what new lessons we could take from them with our more matured minds. Things were said, revelations were made. My guest Karabo Malabako also opened up about her mental health issues from back in the day. And it's crazy how we were clueless about it at the time. How did something so important take so long to become a mainstream issue? Outside of that, Karabo talked about what it's like being a South African woman, the mediocrity of South African men, Nelson Mandela's legacy even. And see, I love getting South Africans' points of view on Mandela. You'd be surprised the mixed feelings that man generates in his people. I find it fascinating. Then Karabo and I finished up with orgasms and empathy. And it's only on the young god you will ever get to hear about Nelson Mandela and orgasms in the same conversation. Nothing like it. Nothing like the Young God podcast. So, yeah, I'm happy to share Karabo's point of view and voice on this show. And I hope you enjoy it half as much as I enjoy bringing it to you. My name is Rodney Omogadje, and you're welcome to the Young God. Malabako. Kira hey. Money. <laughs> it has been a wow. long, long time since uh, you and I did any sort of conversing. Probably last time was in uni, right? Yay. Yes, too long. Yeah, too long. Do you remember those conversations we used to have? I don't remember them, but I know, knowing you, Rodney, they were probably silly or naughty. <laughs> you already know. You already know. <laughs> what? And uh, Yay. if someone said the Rodney you knew them was going to have a podcast. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I see it. <laughs> 
I see it. I mean, I was there when you started, Rodney. Yeah. The the dirty, sexy, cheesy show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 some of those videos are still on YouTube somewhere. I can't remember what channel, what what that channel is called. Or really? <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure it's somewhere in there. If anyone is is really really uh, curious or serious enough to find it. Yeah, I remember on seeing them on Facebook. Mm. You, you'd host, you'd post on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you told me then that this would be you now, I'd I'd believe it. I'd believe it for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, I know this. This was short notice when I reached out, and I was thinking to myself. I wanted to like spice things up a little bit for my audience, especially because um, they've heard, you know, I I, I just felt like I want to have more diverse voices on this podcast. And yeah, I've talked to a lot of Nigerians um, and uh, I felt like I needed a new voice, a new point of view and then I remember that I have this South African friend. In fact, I have lots of of, of uh, friends, you know, from all those places that I've, I've been to. But I do know this South African yeah. lady who is doing some interesting <laughs> things. And um, yeah. it would be nice for my audience to, to get a, a, a sense of how a South African sees the world and I know it's not going to be representative of every South African but it's going to definitely be a fresh perspective on things especially considering that you are someone who knew me from back in the day when Rodney was still in his in his early 20s and trying to get a degree and up to all kinds of mischief you know the vibe yeah, <laughs> I know it. Yeah, yeah. What do you remember about our days in uni? Yeah, I remember. I don't know. Like uni was a, is, is is a bit of a bleak part um past for me. <laughs> yeah. But I remember um I would hang out with you a lot, and you were always into like these creative things, like photography, also. Um, anything computer work based that was just you (laughs) and you were also funny I think that's why I enjoyed like hanging out with you a lot because you were just funny and you were you were quite a character (laughs) I was wasn't I yes you really were quite and you didn't care what people thought and all of that because you just continued to do you yeah what do you what do you do now by the way okay so currently i i'm a model mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i've recently started um creative directing oh. so, which is yeah but more fashion so i conceptualize either photo photo shoots or fashion film i conceptualize and then i put a team together and then we just work and bring that vision to life. Um, I'm also studying. Um, mm. I'm studying a 
yeah, a BA in fashion, mm. um, focusing on fashion media. Okay. Oh. So you're really yeah. diving deeper into this fashion world, huh? Yes, yes. Fashion is my passion. and Has it always been? It's not always, but the moment I realized that actually... Mm. So how how I actually realized was I actually enjoy looking good and feeling good mm-hmm. and making things and people around me look good and feel good. Yeah. So fashion is in a sense a way of expressing that. So I figured that uh, I might as well try it. But how I got into fashion was um through modeling. So once I started modeling only then did that become more um, real to me that actually I could pursue something within fashion. Okay. And it doesn't necessarily, yeah, not necessarily um, specifically fashion design because when Mm. people think fashion, they limit themselves to fashion design, but there's like a lot more things you can do within fashion. So, yeah. Like what? I mean, there's styling, there's modeling, there's photography, there's makeup. Right, right, there's right, right, right. Fashion buying, fashion merchandising, mm. um, being a window dresser. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's it seems lot. like that course that you're studying right now is very necessary for the next step of your life, huh? Yes, it is. Because even now, the things that I've learned so far, is what I've I've been applying through my creative directing because I did do like photography and um, computer literacy design, like just knowing how to conceptualize using the computer, obviously designing and all of that stuff. So it, it's been very, very useful. Even photography, even though I don't like taking pictures per se, but mm. knowing what is needed for a picture to look a certain way that's important so it has helped with that also i can imagine i can imagine yeah but let's take it back for a second you mentioned that university was was bleak how so (laughs) um monash particularly because i dropped out i don't know if you're aware (laughs) you dropped out yeah, I didn't finish. I dropped out because I was extremely um, unhappy with what I was studying. I just felt that, yeah, this this wasn't me. It wasn't me. So, um, well, before dropping out, I was just kind of depressed. And then mm. from that, it led to me dropping out, you know. You know, so that's why, like, yeah, that period was just a little bleak, <laughs> a little hazy, because yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I think I'm, I'm putting two and two together now because, um, I mean, when I remember the Carabo from back in the day and what you're saying now yeah. about it being bleak and being depressed, it kind of adds up, yeah, especially when I think about all yeah. the things I now know about, you know, mental health and how it it, it, it works, which um, mm. now that I think back, it's like, how did we not know anything about mental health at the time? Mm-hmm. Like, it mm. seems so basic right so now. True. Mm, mm. 
so true. But I, I guess you wouldn't know about it unless you're actually in it. That's how you learn in any case. Because even with me, when I found out I was depressed, I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, so it's, it's crazy. But yeah. Yeah, mental health is, is something else. Wow, and, and, and who, who can imagine what other students were going through um, in that vein? Mm. So, so do you think mm. the depression was caused by you choosing what you studied or, or, or you studying something you are not um, really passionate about? Or was it just like being away from family or was it maybe... Um, just being unable to figure out yourself socially? What, what do you think it was? It was all of that for me, all of that. But the deepest cause of it was... So initially, before I started varsity, I I wanted like a gap year. And it was something I had spoken to my parents about. But you know, African parents, they're like, no, no gap year. What is a gap year? You'll be sitting at home wasting time, whatever. Mm. So I was like, fine, I'll suck it up and go to varsity. And the course I chose in varsity, I chose it based on the marks I got, my final matric marks that I got. Mm. It wasn't anything that I was passionate about. And also, I felt that I... I didn't really know myself that well, you know. So that's why I initially wanted a gap year. Because I also had issues of people pleasing. I obviously wanted to please my parents. Mm -hmm. So instead of instead of just standing up for myself, I was like, okay, let me just go to varsity, yeah. get it over and done with and finish. So I think when... Um, my parents had said no. You know that little spark in you that you had left? Mm -hmm. Like, in that moment, mine just died. Like, it was gone. Poof, you know. And then I was just like, I don't know. I don't even know how I made it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how I made it. So, yeah, you know, when you're just in a dark play, mm. obviously... The things you, you attract or the people you attract are not necessarily good for you in that point because you're, vib you're, you're vibrating at a low energy level. Everything and everyone you attract will be on the same level as you. Um, I remember you had like great friends, Valencia, uh, Fumi. I mean, I was in your life and I wasn't like in that yeah. sort of space. So I think it still spoke because I knew that, I mean, I didn't know you were depressed, although I did get a, a hint of a sadness about you now that I think about it. But yeah. Um, yeah. I still liked, you know, your energy. I still liked, you know, the kind of like the core of you, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, yeah. obviously, yeah. if you were in a different situation, you'd be like the best version of yourself. But like, even on the, even with all of that going on, I still got a sense like, mm, this is someone cool that, you know, I didn't mind, you know, hanging out with from time to time. Hanging out with, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, Rodney. I feel like when I was with you, I was like a different me. Like I could be me without having to keep up or anything. 
But mm. with my other friends, that was just like me trying to keep up or trying to fit in. And because, yeah, Monash were my party days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And too much partying is obviously a distraction. Like it's keeping you from dealing with what it is that you need to deal with. Like it's not healthy. Yeah. But I mean, obviously back then I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, chilling with my other friend, it was more of a distraction more than anything. But when I was with you, then I was just like me, you know, mm. I could be me with you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is such. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you, you've been sitting on this this yeah. entire time. <laughs> Rodney and funny enough this is something I've reflected on in the past two years and only then did it like hit me that actually (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you know if I'd known if I'd known like that was like the extent of our relationship I think I'd have been a bit more intentional about it because I didn't you know I didn't again no one tells us about mental health and all those things and I just kind of figured Mm. at the time that you know who you were with me was just who you were but now you know that you've Mm. kind of like made certain distinctions like wow like I'm so glad that I was I was able to be you know there for you in that way even though I didn't even know what I was doing you know what I mean (laughs) yeah yeah no yeah for real like That is, like, especially now getting older, because as, as, as you get older, you kind of like realize the importance of these things, of being mm-hmm. someone or being a space where um, someone can be their, their most authentic self. And like, you know, just... Exactly. Yeah, like now it's so important to have that in your in your bag. And knowing that, you know, like, like coming into this conversation, that was the last thing I would have expected you to hear because you seemed like, for the most part, like you had your shit together. You know what I mean? No, not even. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not have it all together. I was like failing and I was just like miserable half the time and I just distracted myself with with all the partying and boys and... yeah. yeah. Something I can relate I can relate to is also being in that space where, you know, looking through the Monash University like course list, like list of things you could study, there was really nothing that appealed to me, you know, passion wise. So one of the stories mm. I always tell people about how I chose my course was, and I think I told you this. You, you may I I did mention this probably when we're when we're younger. You know, but when I was choosing yeah. my course, I said to the course trip, I said, which course has the most women? <laughs> yeah, the most girls. And this that lady... something you would have said. <laughs> <laughs> I looked her dead in the eye and I said, which courses have the most women? And she looked me dead in the eye. She didn't yeah. even like, like, she wasn't even surprised. She didn't even like, you know, break a sweat. She just said, it's national relations and journalism. And that's what I studied yeah <laughs> that was it and now i am a podcaster look at you <laughs> and, and it, it kind of worked out because even as a kid my parents did like because when they asked them to like uh to fill this form kind of like 
Talking about what they think their child was going to do in their adult years. And I was 10 years old at the time when they filled this form. And my mom and dad did, yeah. you know, figure broadcasting was in my, feature, in my future. They put that down. So it still kind of wow. worked out in that way. Yeah. But I, I don't think I would have gone like for journalism straight up. You know what I mean? I would have yeah. probably taken a more media type of like course if it was available. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so just That's like you, crazy. I know, right? And just like you, how you like mm. used boys and and parties to distract yourself. I used like all these, uh, you know, creative outlets to like get through it all. So we we kind of dealt yeah. in our own way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And man, nothing like having <laughs> great friends in in uni. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I count you. I count you among them. I count also Neil, Patrick, Cedric. You Neil, remember those guys? Yes. Those guys? Yes, I remember them. Yeah, hanging out was always a trip, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> the, but you guys kept it real. You guys kept it real, which was cool. Ah, uh, the best guys. Those guys, the best. Oh. You know, you know, mm-hmm. something else that happened with Patrick, uh, with Patrick and I was when we first met, he used to hit my guts, right? He told me this personally. And this he told me, <laughs> he told me like probably the, the year before we graduated, right? He told me yeah. when he first met me or when he used to see me around campus, he used to hate my guts. He used to see me like walking around with all the pretty girls and he was like, I wish this nigga would just like, you know, step to me wrong so I can like put him in his place. And you know, he was this big guy. He's a big, wow. tall, masculine, yeah. French West yeah. African. You know what I mean? So, so that is definitely Yay. someone you don't want to cross. And he was, he was hating on me before he even knew me. But then he said, after he got to know me, after, um, you know, making all the, those songs together and during that, during that YouTube show you mentioned, doing all those things together, that yeah. like yeah. he developed the maddest respect for me for you yeah so that that kind of says a lot when you say that we always kept it real with each other like i'm just letting you know how it was between us even you know Mm, mm, yeah mm. so uh that's cool man clearly you've been keeping it real (laughs) i've been keeping it real i've been keeping it real I've been a I've been a god before I knew I was. <laughs> mm, definitely, definitely. So, so, what have you learned about life between then and now? Oh my gosh, a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, I've learned a lot of lessons actually. Yeah. Um, especially in the last two years, because I've spent a lot of time just reflecting on my life and <clears throat> because currently I'm just in in a tra- transitional phase so mm-hmm. a lot of things that I used to do like I no longer relate to mm-hmm. and I just learned that yeah it's a part of life to just grow and evolve and the things and people that you used to um lean on to rely on or or whatever um they're only there for that certain time period you know Mm -hmm. they can either move with you 
if they are also within that space of moving with you. If not, you should be able to just let go because <clears throat> those things and those people can no longer serve the person that you you are becoming. So I've learned that, yeah, I need to let go of things and people that no longer serve me and my growth. Um, also just surrendering to life, like letting go. It's one of the easiest things to talk about, but the hardest things to do. Yeah, I've learned so much. <laughs> I bet you have. Like, yeah, yeah. So did you outgrow Fumi and Valencia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Yeah, yeah, I did because... But for me, kind of outgrew us first because mm. I think she was going through her own journey. Right. And I mean, I reflected on that as well. But I mean, I wouldn't know what it is she exactly went through, but she probably did go through the same thing. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a part of growing up. I mean, you do outgrow a lot of things and people, you know. So, what's the biggest change you've seen in yourself um, between then and now? I know, I no longer tolerate bullshit. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. Yeah, like, like back then I was just so friendly, but I was just too friendly to the point where I'd allow people to walk all over me, yeah. and now. Yeah, now I'm still friendly, but I, I have boundaries now. And yeah. respect is just a minimum. So please don't disrespect me. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely yeah. a change. The carbine knew then couldn't yes. talk this way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, you see? Yeah, like, yeah, I, I've had to learn that, yo, it's important to I allow to keep around me because it just shows that I value myself and my time, you know. So I should be cautious of the people I spend time with and the things that I spend time doing. So, they should be of value. So what event do you think sparked this change? Like, can you pinpoint any moment, any time you just had that? realization like it could have been like a like lowest moment or like some thing that just had you realizing all these things i was just tired rodney like i was tired of going through the same emotions um i, I was just tired and i just asked myself that what is it am i not doing right like mm what is it like i was just tired of going through the same things over and over the same cycles the same behaviors like i was just tired because i was like surely there's there's more to life than than what i'm experiencing currently and uh funny enough when covid happened mm. um when it started with the whole lockdown like literally so there's five of us at home mm -hmm. um 
my both my parents and two of my brothers, but one of my brothers wasn't around. So both my parents and one of my brothers were all sick with COVID. Mm. And I was the only one who wasn't sick, which was like crazy. <laughs> but yeah, thank God for that. Yeah. Thank God for that. To the point where both my parents ended up being hospitalized and my brother was at home, luckily. But when I had to take care of everyone at home, you know, these are the people who I rely on when I'm weak. You know, these are the people who I seek strength from. But now to go from that to all of them, um, like me being that for them, like they were seeking strength from, from me and, that just made me realize what what I am capable of, that when shit gets real, I am very capable of pulling my sleeves up and doing the work that's necessary to do. So because I was just so tired of feeling the way I was feeling, I was like, yeah, it's now time for me to do what I need to do to just get away from or to end this so-called feeling of being tired. So, yeah. So you were sick and tired (laughs) of being sick and tired. Basically, yes. (laughs) God damn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that that COVID year, that 2020 year, um, it it was uh, an eye-opener for a lot of people around the world. And, you know... Mm. I think it's one of those things and I kind of predicted this right when it when it happened when I was doing my podcast then I would say that five ten maybe 20 years from from 2020 some conversations Mm. you'll be having and you will look and you you ask someone what was 2020 like for you like everyone has a has a unique story or experience about how Mm. 2020 was Mm. you know pivotal in their development and that's that's yeah that's very true it's cool to hear yours that's very i don't know i i i somehow believe that it was god or the universe's way just trying to 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 plant that that awakening seed because i don't know there's there's, it just feels like there's some shift some some spiritual shift, you know, some awakening that occurred with with 2020 because literally almost everyone's world was just turned upside down, you know. Mm. <laughs> it was adjust or die. <laughs> adjust or die. But yeah. Shit, I thought I was going to die in 2020. I was, I did not think I was that special that I would survive COVID if I got it. Luckily, I didn't get it, but yeah. I was pretty sure hmm, the way this this virus and this pandemic is looking, I might not see 2021, but here we are. While you're here, I want to tell you about Chabit Properties, who are proud sponsors of this podcast. They are a luxury real estate company that is also committed to developing sustainable mass housing. Ambitious stuff. Check them out on social media at Chabit Properties. Chavit Properties. Think, create, build. (laughs) 
So, um, let's take things in a different direction now. Um, okay. What is it like being a South African woman? Whew. So, I consider myself privileged, even though I'm from a middle class family. Mm-hmm. Um, I do sometimes um, see or experience things from both worlds. Um, but it's it's hard being a South African woman. I won't lie. It's very hard. Um, yo, a black South African woman, like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if it's not the issue of, of, of violence or abuse, because a lot of women struggle with that in South Africa. Mm. I don't know if you've seen the news of how women are brutally killed mm-hmm. by partners or, or whatnot, but violence in South Africa is really bad. Even the rape, it's just really bad. Mm. And I, I consider myself really lucky because I stay in a neighborhood where I feel safe enough to like take walks, you know, mm. without, no matter the time of day. And even the men in my family, um, they're very caring and supportive and they make me feel safe. Mm. So I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, hard because there aren't a lot of opportunities out there. Like there's just so many issues, so many issues. Um, there's not enough woman empowerment also. And because women aren't empowered enough, they, I don't know, they look to, to things they shouldn't be looking towards to, to live life or to, to sustain their lives. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a problem. That's a, a big problem, especially for for girls who are coming up because what sort of message does it send for them? Right. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of a problem being, being a South African woman. But it does have its, its joys, I guess. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Let me think of one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're we're more liberated than than most women in, especially other African countries. True, that is true. Yeah. yeah. So that part, yeah, we're not as I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me. We're not as um, oppressed. We were we're very liberated and. Yeah, that's actually uh uh yeah. So it's, you're it's exciting. You're liberated but you don't feel safe. That is a doozy of a situation. I know, I know. It it doesn't make sense, but yeah. 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 Um so I take it you're single then. Pardon? I take it you are single then. Oh yes I am. Uh, by choice. <laughs> <laughs> of course, by choice. You're a hoodie. Of course, it's by yes. choice. <laughs> of course, it's by choice. So, like, why? Why Why that choice? Because uh, it's hard finding a man. <laughs> 
it's really hard finding a man. Um, and uh, like, I also like tend to attract gents who who lack the things that I want. Mm. And I've learned that I need to stop looking for that and start being that for myself. Maybe I'll start attracting a man who I actually want to be with. Mm. Yeah, but also I realized that maybe also I'm not so ready for a relationship, you know, for committing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let me just take my time and get to know myself and enjoy being single. You know, one thing I I get a lot from my Southern African female friends is mm. they're just disappointed and jaded by the quality of men in the dating pool down yep. down south. Like they they're and and not just there, also like East East African women as well. They. Mm. They also they, they also talk about their men like they ain't shit, and um, yeah, yeah. I I find yeah, it's it's a serious thing. Like where, and I wonder what that does for like the equilibrium of the society. Because it's like if one half of the of the population is just not satisfied with the other half, like where do you go from there in the long term, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like there are entire swaths of young women like yourself who are just deciding to just be single just because you know that the priorities of the men and boys in your age group, in your age bracket, other bachelors are is just not aligned. It's just not, you know, especially mm. especially when you think about the added fear of what partners, you know, of the violence that happens in, in, in domestic, mm. you know, partnerships. So it's like, I, re I really feel for you guys when I, when I hear those conversations and I, and I hear women lament that shit. It's like, which way, man, which way? Yeah. So what do you, <sighs> what do you think about South African society in general? How would you like scrutinize it? What's, what's, what, what's, what are you experiencing? Like, what do you see the South African society as? Like, if you could describe, you know, the values or the things that, like, how it is for, like, the average Nigerian, someone who's just, like, you know, trying to understand <laughs> that society, what would you say? Well, like, South Africans are very vibrant. We're fun-loving people. Um, we're good people. Uh, just don't mess with us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we enjoy having a good time, but I feel the problem with South Africans is we distract we distract ourselves a lot with unnecessary things like um, drinking excessively um, yeah. and not actually and not actually dealing with whatever societal issues that we we have, like underage. Um, dating or teenage pregnancy mm -hmm. um violence yeah like usually when when stuff like that happens ah, we we don't deal with it we don't deal with it we don't talk about it we don't 
handle the situations and um and I I feel how best to to handle that is through empowering girls like if you can teach a girl if you can empower a girl mm. surely when they grow up they'll learn and know to make better choices and decisions you know yeah. but yeah overall uh, we're we're good people and apparently South African women like money I don't know <laughs> I don't know how true that is all women <laughs> like money I think I was about to say I think women in general like money <laughs> shit men like money I don't even know what we're talking about right now <laughs> yes yes we just yeah we just want that comfortable life you know the happy vibrant yeah we're good people we're good. What do you think about Nelson Mandela? Yo, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get serious for a second. Let's get serious hick, for a second. Hick, hick, hick. Um, much respect to Nelson Mandela. He was a visionary. Mm-hmm. Because he he fought for freedom for black South Africans. I mean, yeah, that may sound cliche, but he did, you know. And I think he was more of a, you know, a a lead from the back type of person. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But how? But yeah. but but let's say lead from the back. How? Because. He was the one who spent 27 years in prison. That seems that's that seems looks very forward to me. Very Yay. in the front to me. <laughs> no, because he went to prison fine, but people were still out there fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. And before him going to prison, he was always just talking to people. Mm. He was always within the people, you know, he was never above or, or anything of that sort. Right. So even even him going to prison, it was for the people, you know, it wasn't because of him per se, like singularly, mm. but he was doing it because he had the vision that there's something bigger that'll come from from this. So much respect to Nelson Mandela. Oh wow. I never though, I never heard that angle. Okay, go on. Even though Really? <laughs> no, yeah, you put it in a way that I, I hadn't even... quite thought of, but go on. Oh, okay. Even though some people would call him a sellout, understandably so, um, but I think he he did what he did the best way he knew how. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mandela or Mugabe? Ah, Mandela. <laughs> All day, every day. Oh, actually. Oh, okay. Mugabe's problem is that he was a tyrant, but I like the fact that he was very patriotic about Zimbabwe and he didn't allow any Western influences within Zimbabwe because I do know and believe that Zimbabwe is rich with minerals and natural resources, right? Mm-hmm. So I think because of that, yeah, but he was too controlling. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I, I'm picking Mandela all day, every day because um, I know, yeah. and as, as a Nigerian who, who, who lived in South Africa and who saw 
you know, yeah. who had like what I call an objective view. Like since I'm not involved in the in the you know thing per se, I can see things a little bit more objectively, right? And yeah, all I know is that when I was in Monash University with you, it was Zimbabweans coming to South Africa to get an education, not the other way around. That's all I know. You know what I mean? Mm. They're the ones mm. who came to look for their fortune in South Africa, not South Africans going over there. So for all of Mugabe's, you know, patriotism and keeping Westerners yeah. out, I I feel like um, South Africa left a, bo- a, a blueprint of how to like best balance both. It's just that, again, South Africa has its own issues where even that could easily, you know, be messed up because, you know, there's just other issues going on in South Africa. But I think South Africa had like, had the blueprint those first like 20 years after 1994, right? Those first 20 years, South Africa had a chance to like really set a very, very incredible example of how a country can bounce back. Because if you think about it, right, um, what happened when Mandela, when Mandela came out of prison could have been, yeah. by any metric in human history, the most bloody, most violent like situation. If Mandela mm. had just said, yo, fuck these whites, kill them all you know Black South Africa is going to do that shit. And if Black South Africa does that shit, you don't have the South Africa you have today. Like, it's bad now, but it's 10 times worse. I know that for sure. So, mm, you know, that is that is the truth. So, um, I really do think that for all his criticisms, he did something that at least gave both whites and Blacks a chance to figure it out. Like he, 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 he set it up like, I don't have all the answers right now, but I'm giving you guys yeah. a chance to figure it out. Like, I can't do all the work for you guys. I can't like liberate you and then tell you guys how to get along. And like, you, know, you get that kind of thing. Like, I can't do all the work for you. I'm fucking old. I've been 27 years in prison. Like, I need to go rest after this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just yeah. set you guys up nicely to thrive, do the, like finish up the job and then... Y'all didn't. That's how I see it. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. He probably did say, yeah, you guys will see to finish fine. But if you look at the state now of, like, the state of black people now, it's just really sad because I think it's gone from bad to worse because you may not believe this, but white people in South Africa, mm-hmm. and mind you, white people are are a minority. Mm-hmm. They own 80% of the country's wealth. Yeah, that I know. I, I, can, that I, I can believe that. I can believe that, yeah. All right? And white people are a minority. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't make sense. That's why I'm saying some people say he sold us out because he gave white people that economic freedom or the economic power and then the black people we have the social and political um, power but now you really can't do much 
if you don't have any resources, resources in terms of money. You can't, you can't do much, but so in the, again, this is where, like, would you agree with me if I said that Mandela was like the last great leader you guys had? Like that era of Desmond and Winnie, like that's the last era of great leaders you guys have yeah. had. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because the leaders who came after that were just pushing their own personal agendas. And there it you have it. Yeah, it wasn't for the, the masses. people. It wasn't yeah. for people. Yeah. So there you but have it. Was it was for them. Mandela yeah. set it up that in such a way that all you guys had to do was find the right leaders and all those leaders had to do was do the right thing and then slowly but surely you will tip the economic skills back into the balance but yeah those leaders came through and they did absolute fuck all but make things worse for their people so mm. in the end i'm thinking like for all these criticisms, Mandela was the last, he was like a hero. He like, he like, he, he just, he did, he was like Moses for you guys. So Moses, did, <laughs> Moses didn't get to see the promised land, yeah. but he set it up yeah. so that you guys, yeah. so the Israelites, the, the Israelites would for sure get to the promised land. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then obviously while they were there, when they got there, there was always like, you know, bullshit popping up here and there. You know, you know how people can be sometimes. You know how people are, but in general, mm. he made it so that it was there was there was a possibility. And now, so so now, when, when people like blame Mandela for that, I feel like it's he, he's an easy target, especially because he's not here to defend himself. You know, mm. but mm. really and truly, when I was in South Africa, I felt as someone who left, who came from Nigeria, and I know like the difference between like the 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 countries was clear in terms of, you know. The, the foundation, the potential of it. Mm. And you guys, your leaders rather, your leaders just did not, did not take it up from there. That's, that's really what it was. But, yeah, but they really didn't. No, I agree. They really didn't. They just, yeah, they were pursuing their own agendas more than anything. Mm. And they forgot the people who actually got them in those positions. Yeah. So yeah, with that point, I, I agree with you. Are you voting I next agree. election? I am. I always vote. I always vote. I just wish like the people who are currently in, in these positions would retire and make and leave, you know, and mm -hmm. make room a space for, for us younger people. Cause maybe we can bring the change that we need to see. Because, yo, but, I won't lie, South African politicians are old. They should retire now. But do you think, do you think it's going to be any different? Because when you, you think about it, right, like, you already say that a lot of the, the young men and women, I, I, I don't want to say a lot, but, but there's enough of a sample size to feel like their priorities aren't straight either. They might get in there and just continue the same the same thing just with young blood cycle yeah yeah because that's that's like the main reason why you can't even like date 
right now. Like, think about it. You, you can't date yeah. men in your age group or in your country, and you yeah. think those are the guys that you're gonna you want to lead. You, you know what I mean? Surely there are those who are like willing and capable. Because I mean, if you are going to be in a position of leadership. Don't make it about you because it's not about you, but it's about the people you're leading. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, I feel the youth has much more potential. Fine, we do have our own um, things that we want to achieve and whatnot. But I don't think we're all like that. Of course not. We're not all chasing. Yeah, we're not all chasing that I don't know. Whatever. Malema but... was supposed to be it. Julius Malema was supposed to be the the, the next guy and see oh. how he turned out. Yeah, no. <laughs> 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 That's one person I don't understand. But mm-hmm. yeah, we we well, I did have a bit of hope in him, but then I I just lost hope somewhere along the line because. I just couldn't understand what his angle or strategy is, but yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an Africa. It's a worldwide problem right now. There's just a real deficit of like real, like true leaders. Like there's a deficit everywhere, not just South Africa in Nigeria over here in the States, in France. I mean, look at Russia and, and, and Ukraine. Like that's a war that, is very, very avoidable. But, you know, Mm. leaders just decided to not lead properly. You know, so there is there is an issue in the world where like there's a shortage of leader of leaders. And guess what? There are so many leadership forums, so many fellowships that are designed to like build leaders. And I'm like wondering, like, so all these things that these people are doing, like what what are they yeah? Where are these leaders? Like, like what's going on? You know, nothing to show for it. So it's like, man. How? how <laughs> yeah. We're screwed. We're screwed. That doesn't make sense. Rodney, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be like... Well, anyway, anyway, on another note though, let's, 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 let's leave the, the, polit- the, the political talk for a second. Um, yes. Sprite, you are the face of Sprite right now. No, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the face of Sprite, please. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um, I just did a shoot for them. It was a pan-African shoot. Okay. However, I didn't know that it was going to be in Nigeria. I thought it was going to be in, like, South Africa, Botswana. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember which other country. But I didn't know. Because, I mean, I, I didn't think I, I looked like an, a Nigerian. Or <laughs> 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 well, I'd be appealing to a Nigerian or the Nigerian market. So it was interesting for me. You're a pretty girl. Of course, pretty girls are always appealing in any market. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what it is. You we we don't care where you're from or who your daddy is. Yeah, you know if you look 
like, you know, if you look real good, we will pay attention. And that's really what it was. But I was pleasantly surprised when I saw the sponsored ad um, on my IG page. And yeah. is that Carabo? Is that K-Rab money out here being the face of Sprite on my IG feed right now? Yeah. And you're the one who actually made me aware because I, I wasn't even aware, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> also I was off social media, like I was on a social media break. So mm-hmm. when I logged back in, then I saw your message and I was like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> what did the but ad it's say? also cool. Sorry? What did the ad say? If you, can you remember what it was? Like the the, the copy... It was about how how you handle the heat, so you keep cool when it's hot. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, it was like. Oh, it says a, a sprite is perfect after, and then one, two, three. Then one is hot day, and then two. You said. Sex, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. That. That's. 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 That's it. Right. <laughs> That's perfect. Like that is it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and um, when did you start enjoying sex? Wow, Rodney! Perfect segue. You know, I did an I did an episode of my podcast called um, "How to Close the Orgasm Gap," and I talked about orgasm. Really? Yeah, I talked about orgasms okay. and sex, and you know, just my thoughts on some of those things riveting episode one of my best ever so um mm-hmm. it leads me thankfully sprite has my back on this um <laughs> so but really the really 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 i think part, part of because you talked about being liberated uh, being a liberated woman and yes there is no liberation without sex yes so when did you start enjoying sex and that is actually the like, that's 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 when you know you're liberated when you're actually enjoying sex. Yeah, the first time I had like a transcendental, you know, when you orgasm and it's as if your spirit is just leaving your body and you are now traveling through space, you're seeing stars. And I don't know if you've had that experience, but if you experience pleasure to that point, then yeah, where you literally transcend the physical world that you're in right now. Mm. That's when I started to enjoy sex. <laughs> oh wow. Look at that. You are you are one of the lucky ones, huh? One of the lucky ones. I am. I am. <laughs> But to have sex like that, you need a spiritual connection with your sexual partner because sex is not just physical. It is a spiritual um, connection also. So why aren't you dating that guy? A guy that can give you that kind of, those kind of O's. You got to keep him close. (laughs) I do keep him close, but (laughs) we're we're better as friends than lovers. (laughs) 
Wow. So, so even even that nigga couldn't tie down Carabo. Nah, he couldn't. He, he couldn't. couldn't. It, it didn't work out in the end, but it was another lesson. So hey. Yeah. Because you find out as you grow yeah. that yeah, it, it's more than just O's, man. To like make something really work mm. and work well. Mm. Like sex is mm. nice. Good sex is amazing, but on its own, mm. it's it go, not enough. It's not enough. It takes you nowhere. Mm. Mm. So yep, you take your orgasm seriously, huh? I mean. Can I get my pleasure, you know? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point of this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. I um, I fully, fully, fully understand that. And um, I wish you all the orgasms in your future life. All the orgasms. No, Thank well, you. No, no, not in future life. Like, like I mean, just going forward. Like, I don't know what your weekend is saying. I don't know what your the rest of your year is saying. But you know, um, I think as well as as much as we we wish people long life and prosperity, we gotta wish them yeah great sex. You know. Yes, definitely. Like you don't have life to like changing sex. Mm-hmm, you don't have to last together forever. But if you're gonna Touch genitals, you better make it count. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Better be worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Let's take a moment to pause and breathe. Relieve the tension. Whatever you're doing, close your eyes, take a deep breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth. One more time. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Let's resume. What do you think about empathy? Um, I think empathy is... Uh, it's a good and a bad thing. Mm. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Pretty tell. So I'm an empath, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to, to feel um, people's emotions or feelings or whatever it is that they go through mm-hmm. and experience. Mm-hmm. So it's good in the sense that I'm able to to empathize or sympathize with them and understand what it is that they're going through. And whoever it is that I may be interacting with in that moment, maybe our interaction, because I'm able to feel or empathize with them, our interaction would sort of heal them or make them feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's bad because I sometimes struggle with telling the difference between what it is that I'm actually going through or what it is that um, someone else is going through. So I'd be Mm. feeling something someone else is going through. So because of that, yeah, it's, it's it's, it's a bit tricky. But in, in terms of healing someone, it is a, a really good thing. 
Empathy. Empathy is good, man. Actually. Act, right actually i mean like it's like yeah it's like saying to someone it's like when someone says you're you're too understanding i'm like too understanding <laughs> there's no such thing as being too understanding you know what i mean like it's one of those things yeah. those virtues that you know just make everything better like it's so it, i mean it was, yes. I would, with empathy i think i don't even know i think there's a there's a difference even between like what you describe, like like being an empath. I don't even know. Okay, being an empath, right, and having empathy, yeah. I think are two different things. Like being able to yeah. s- to spontaneously feel what someone else is feeling, right? Mm. Just because mm. that's a thing that you have. Like it's like a you could call it a gift or yes, you know, yeah. That that's one thing. But then to actively have empathy for someone who you you don't like you don't know them you may you may not even like them you know but like to be able to put your, yourself in the shoes of some of someone else and you know not just feel but imagine what they're going through so it's, it's, yeah. so for, for example it's like like date rape like the date rape dr- drug where someone drugs you and yeah. then you wake up yeah. and to find you've been raped, right? So yeah. someone someone put it to me in a very interesting way. She said that it's like waking up and finding that one of your organs has been removed. Mm. Now, empathy kicks in immediately. You know what I mean? Like you begin yeah. to, to, to put yourself like to understand that similar feeling, that intrusion, that like, that violation of privacy doesn't even cut it anymore. It's like violating your humanness, you know? So now, and that's a big thing, but now applying that to to, to smaller things. So someone might come to work and they're acting some kind of way and then empathy is like, I can, let me put myself in their shoes and try to imagine, you know, what it is that must have happened before this moment that is having them act out like this, right? So it doesn't have to be like a deep emotion, like, oh, they're sad, so I'm sad. But it's like, this person is being an asshole. I could react like an asshole back, but rather I can empathize and try to understand what it is that is that, that makes him act this way. Is it his upbringing? Is it um, something that happened before he got here today? Is it even a, a, yeah. a, a mental illness that, you know, because there's sometimes your brain can be out of whack somehow and then you'd be acting out of character yeah. and, you know, no one will know what's going on. Not even you would know what's going on. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. when, when you now deploy that kind of thinking, it makes you a little bit kinder. You can still, you know, hold the person accountable yes. and call them out, but you just have a little bit of kindness attached to it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. yes I wanted to say that it's, it's about being kind because, we all deserve a bit of kindness. So if someone does try to understand where you're coming from, it kind of sort of lifts the weight off of your shoulders also. Mm-hmm. It lifts. Yeah. Like when, you, and especially when you feel that someone has done that work for you, like someone has been empathetic towards you. You feel it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You may not even know the words to describe it, but you feel that something just happened that this person did 
and they're acting yes. better towards me. It changes the game. It does, yeah. It's that act of kindness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's why some relationships kind of like, you know, do so well sometimes. Just imagine, imagine you're, you, anyway, you don't have to imagine you're a girl, you, you experience like menstrual pains and like cramps and, you know, that flow of blood. Like, you know what that is. But as a guy, if he's trying to like get into a relationship with you, Part of being empathetic is, yeah, I, I haven't experienced this thing that she experiences every month, but I can understand or I can imagine, I can try to imagine how the chaos of, the chaos of it all can affect mm. her and make, um, and make her crazy. So instead of reacting every time she goes crazy, I apply my empathy. I'm like, okay, let me just allow her to do her thing. She'll come down and we talk about it. That's empathy. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's that that's very different from being an empath in that way as you described. So that, that yeah. so that's your personal problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> but empathy is never a bad thing. That's just the point I wanted to make. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good thing. No, I agree with you fully. It is good. It is good. And we need more people to be empathetic. Man. Because we're all going through it. We're all going through it. Like, do you know the problems in society we can solve if the people in charge, the people who get to make decisions or who get to like figure out solutions actually applied empathy. Like, like it's mind blowing. Like think of something like rape, for example. And I, I, I love going back to it because it's like the biggest extreme I can think of, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it makes sense to me. So imagine you're trying to solve rape, right? And Rather than just being outraged every time but a rape, who, right? Who who, who would you empathize with the the one who got raped or the the one who did the raping? Both of them. But if you're trying to solve if you're trying to solve the problem of rape, and and I know I know it sounds weird, right? How could you possibly empathize with the rapist? But hear me out. Yeah. Hear me out. I'm about to bust your brain. <laughs> okay. So it's like this, right? Um. The first thing is what rape is at its core is basically the abusing of someone's boundaries, except it's of a sexual nature and the consequences are a bit more dire for the victim. Right? Right? So now if you think about it, like, think of all the ways that we take what's not ours. On a normal day, when we disrespect other people's boundaries, where we feel entitled to their yeah. time. Like it's a thing that we do on a normal day. It just it's just that our monster is not as untamed as to go and rape another person. Yeah. But yeah. the core of it, of what makes a person rape, is in all of us. That's that's empathy. Right? Now, if you want to mm. solve rape, you're thinking to yourself, okay, first of all, what is it that makes a person rape. And by the time you think about it, it's like, oh my God, there's like, it could be trauma, a trauma response, one. It could be um, a situation where this person just never was taught how to respect women. 
it could be yeah. a fetish, like a one of those like weird ass, dangerous ass fetish where he can only get off if it's rape, right? And psychopath. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that. Yeah. And then there's those guys who just, you know don't know that what they're doing is rape. They feel like, oh, it's part of the game. Like, oh, she wants me to like try harder or like, you know. So when you think of think of it, you, you understand that there's like like levels to rape in a way. Mm. So so and you can you really like like go against like go at those different things the same way. They require different approaches to solve. Yeah, they do. Right? And that's again. That's 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 where empathy comes in. You can't treat the guy who has like a weird ass psychopath fetish the same way as the guy who raped because he thought it was just you know part of the game. It was normal. Yeah. yeah, right. And so in that way, and then you know you now take the empathy also to the victim. It's like to rape apologists and people who victim blame. It's like yo, like asking all those questions about. What was she doing there at the time, and what was she wearing? You know, yeah. yeah. This is not even to say that those questions aren't valid, but they are not what is necessary at the time because someone just experienced something that traumatic. is so traumatic that requires a heart-based argument than a mind-based one. Which is, mm. can you imagine what it feels like to be forced against your will? sexually like imagine like put yourself in your shoe in her shoes especially if you're a guy imagine some weirdo somewhere where you know held you down spread your butt cheeks open and did and did god knows what that's fucking terrifying yeah. and if yeah. anybody asked you what you were wearing what you were doing there at the time you would knock them the fuck out right true yeah, yeah. so um Empathy on both sides is, is, is so key today, and and I'm not, and I know it's this is an extreme, and I'm not even saying to a to a it victim is. of rape, yeah, I'm not even saying to a victim of rape that they should like have empathy. I'm not saying any like a woman or a victim of rape should have empathy for a rapist necessarily. I'm not even saying that, but what I'm saying is that empathy is such a tool that can be applied in like so many situations. If you wanted it to, like it can, it can change the game. So imagine if you can apply it to a rapist, how much more to a coworker who just rubbed you the wrong way? You know what I mean? Or a stranger on the street. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, not so much that we should just be out here empathizing with rapists, but like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just a tool that could really, really be handy in solving a lot of society's problems. If you know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree. Mm. It's just showing kindness. Showing kindness. And I think everyone deserves kindness. Like, like regardless yeah, of... We do. ...of who you are and what you've done. And kindness... And again, being kind doesn't mean that you have excused the act or that you are justifying what they've done. It just means I know all of those details. I know the facts. They are wrong as hell. But I just choose... To not be an asshole about it. Yeah. That's really what it is. Because then you think to yourself, what choices, what decisions, what like circumstances in, in life must have gone down that... For I, that to happen. Yes, and could easily put me in that situation. Yeah. 
You know mm. what I mean? Like, it's, like even as a guy, I think about it sometimes. Like, yo, like this nigga raped, and as I'm about to just judge them, like, damn, you rapist, nigga raped. Oh my god, you deserve all the shit. I'm thinking to myself, but damn though, like, what is it? Like, what do I have to experience to feel like that is okay or normal to me? Like, what has to be different about my life journey that, you know, I would be so... Like, the fear of God would just leave my my my, my soul and I'll be raping willy-nilly. Like, I think about that and that's, that's empathy to me. And once I think about that, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is trash, this is crap, but, you know... Let me resist the urge to feel like, you know, I'm better just because I haven't raped or just because the monster in me doesn't like come out the same way it does in these people. Yeah. But then, okay, I just thought of what about those men who abuse women? How would you empathize with them? So fine, this guy is beating his partner and then... Mm-hmm. I don't know, a few minutes later, or a few moments later, he realizes what he's done and he apologizes to the partner. He says, sorry, mm-hmm. the partner forgives him mm-hmm. and he does it again. Mm-hmm. And it's like an ongoing cycle. Like, how how would you empathize with someone who keeps doing the same thing over and over, even though they know it's wrong, but they keep doing it? Yeah, so in in that situation, I'm 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 empathizing in that, like, I mean, I'm I'm empathizing because you just don't know, like, how fucked up what you're doing is. It's like in the Bible when Jesus said, when he was on the cross and he was like, and he was about to die, and he was, he said to God, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Right. Yeah. That's that's empathy. Like yeah. sometimes you, you're not even like thinking so much about like again, it's not to justify their actions. That's not that's not what it's about. It's just a feeling like damn man, like like what like this guy doesn't even like has no idea how these actions are like ruining, especially if it's a woman that is a really like she's a keeper. Imagine if if, if this guy has a keeper like a really good woman, and he's like. Fucking yeah. Around, yeah, fucking around like that. Like the empathy is just like damn man, you don't even know what you have, you don't even know what you got. And then, you know, then yeah. also like judge the action, like so it's like judging the action without being too harsh on the person themselves. That's in again, it's like it's like back to Mandela. A lot of a lot of South Africans don't have empathy for like the the hard choice he had to make, even though they don't agree with it. They don't understand, like, to be a leader means making hard choices that a lot of people yeah. will not agree with. A lot of people that... Won't be happy with. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And owning up to that. To, to that. So it, that that's empathy. Just saying, man, I cannot imagine, or I can't imagine, you know, the dilemma and the the, the difficult situation but with a with a with a wife beater with a man who who beats his wife his wife is just man really like mm. what is getting into you like you're not even so so it's not, it's not about like oh what did she do 
or you know it's like exactly who didn't raise you right to think that this is okay yeah yeah i mean it goes back to having psychological issues mm -hmm. or inner child wounds that are not healed and yeah. obviously I just think a lot of people, a lot of people are not aware of those psychological and inner child wounds that they have. Yeah. And people fear healing, hey? <laughs> you think That's so? Something I'm, yeah, people fear healing. How do you mean? Because, yeah. <clears throat> sorry. Mm. You know, part of the healing process is reflecting, going back to all those things or most of those things that have hurt you, that have caused you mm. um, pain, you know, mm -hmm. and you're trying to understand why it happened or how it happened. And in understanding that you end up accepting and then letting go. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, okay. That's what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. To be. yeah. Yeah. So, the actual act of going back to that trauma or that wound is not nice. Yeah. Because it's as though you're you're reliving that moment. So now why would you want to go back to that very thing that caused you the most pain to such an extent it affected your behavior in your in your present life? Yeah. Not a yeah, not a lot of people have that willingness within them to actually go back and and find out why what happened, you know. Yeah, you know, again, um, I think even healing, like getting to the healing pro process or to the healing part, is like maybe like the second or third step to anything because yeah. even, even before that, you got to think to yourself, man. What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to live? You know? And then from that part, from, from, from that point, it's like, okay, if I want to get to that point or get to be that person, what do I have to change about my life? Then when you figure out what you have to change about your life, then you now have to think about, oh my God, I'm dealing with these things that make it difficult for me to achieve that goal, mm -hmm. then you can start to look for healing. But if you if you don't have that initial goal of wanting to be like maybe the best version of yourself or being a better person or, you know, maybe achieving some life mm -hmm. goal that is important to you, mm -hmm. healing just doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. It feels like a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I, I guess a lot mm -hmm. of people haven't yet even gone to that point where it's like, I want to be amazing. I want to be useful to my community. I want to affect people positively. I want to like, like, I want to be a God out here. If you don't have those thoughts and those feelings, you know, healing is just like, it's like, yeah. what the fuck am I doing that for? Like, like, it's the, the It won't be a thought. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, okay. That's, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you, no, I like how you put it. I like how you put it, yeah. So now we, we spoke about like having that, that, that like ideal, right? That North Star that, that um, keeps you oriented and like making the right decisions. What's that for you? Like what's, what's the best version of yourself? Can you like imagine that? Like, it, like what's, what's you being a God? look like 
Um, whatever it is that I'm doing, as long as I'm expressing beauty, mm. whether it's fashion, whether I'm seeing art or creating art, whether I'm taking pictures or seeing pictures, whether I'm listening to music, um, as long as it's an expression of beauty, that's just me. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. And 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 that is a worthy cause to aspire to because um mm. you think of you think of like you want you want to be an an embodiment of beauty of of grace of yes yes of, of light all that positivity. Yeah, you want that to be translated in your every move, every step and your every word. Yeah. Yes. And that is what's up. Because even, even, yeah, even my presence, even my looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just all about exuding and expression, expressing beauty. Mm. I mean, you you associate beauty with, with beautiful things, with lights, with love, with joy, with happiness. You wouldn't associate it with any bad, negative thing. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. So and and ultimately <laughs> ultimately I associate beauty with anything that just makes the lives of others easier. Like exactly. Or more beautiful like like your beauty exactly. helps others be beautiful in whatever way that that exactly. happens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know because yeah. people talk about all the time, it's like if you ask someone what they want out of life or what, what is what you know what their goal is, and they'll say something like, "I want to be happy," and then mm. they forget that. And, and and that's a nice thing. That's a nice you know thing to say, but the the the, the thing about it is that you cannot be happy without also having an intention of making others happy. Exactly. Like you, do, you can't say you want to be happy and then be doing some shit to other people. Like the energy is gonna come back to you mm-hmm. all the way. You know what I mean? Like if you treat people like mm-hmm. shit, exactly, they're gonna respond in all kinds of ways. Like shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you, you gotta you, you gotta carry others along in whatever you're doing, and that is really where, mm. you know true beauty is like i know we all talk about like yeah you gotta like have your selfish years you gotta have your self-care like but i think the level you get to like of of awareness and maturity where you where you realize that really and truly you know there is no there's no best self or there's no like version of enjoying life where you are not at the very least being a a positive influence on others. Mm. Like, that's how you get yours. If you want to be happy, you got to be that for others. True. Yeah. So. That's very true. I read somewhere that um, you should live authentically because if you live authentically, you're being the best to yourself as well as everyone else. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Kira money. 
Rodney. <laughs> wow. What an honor. What an honor. Um, I'm really proud to to be a part of, of this, Rodney, especially knowing how far you've come. Like, it really is an honor. And I appreciate you hitting me up and, and wanting to, to have a, a conversation with me. Um, yeah, it is quite quite an honor. Thank you very much for for this. And may you continue to flourish, hey? Like, hey. this is really, really, it's really dope. Thank you. Thank you very much, Caravo. Thank you for doing this mm. with me. Thank you for your time also. And um, look at us, hey? From uni, what? Right. 2013 was the last time I was in Monash. And Yo, this is 2022. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many years is that? A lot. My math sucks. <laughs> yeah. A lot. It's like maybe 15 years. Yo, that's a whole 15 year old, imagine. <laughs> yeah. How old are you? Ah, Rodney, I'm old enough. <laughs> <laughs> You've been old enough. I'm kidding. You've been old enough for the longest time. I'm, <laughs> I'm 31. Same, 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 same. Yeah. 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 So, um, thanks again, Carabo. And Thank you, Rodney. This is the young good. <laughs>